0: Tonight's topic is, or the topic of my presentation is Finding Opportunities in Failure. Um, I thought I would just uh, go through a little bit of my experience as an artist and talk about um, what I've learned in regards to the relation to the topic. Um, Okay. Perfect. On time. No worries. Uh, So, um... I was a New York City kid. I moved to Los Angeles for high school. Uh, I had always been interested in art, um, but never as a career. You know, as a kid, I didn't really even imagine that one could make a living from art. I thought that artists were dead and then their work went into museums. Um, I had a really great art teacher in high school who sort of pushed me to look at more contemporary art, where she showed me like Ed Ruscha, um, a lot of L.A. artists. Um, And I began applying for schools Um, all throughout like sort of my life. The decisions that I were making were were based on like desperation or necessity. So um, art school just seemed like the biggest shot or opportunity I had to go into college. Um, I was yet to be thinking about like wanting to have a career or even really be a fine artist. Um, Cooper, the school that I went to here in New York City, um, was an amazing opportunity because it was at the time free tuition. Um, And so um it also had a, a really small application or applicant percentage or acceptance percentage um which made it sort of like prestigious you know you would hear about kids getting into cooper and there would be this sort of like aura around them um so i applied i you know i did everything i could um everything people told me you know create a really diverse portfolio so i was doing still life and film and photography and drawing and painting um, one of the things that Cooper is that they don't want someone that's coming in that um, is really rigid. You know, they want to be able to offer you a bunch of different things and see how you can excel. Um, and luckily I got in. I got in on April <laughs> Fool's Day. Someone called me from the Cooper office. That's how small it is. Like, they call you on the phone. And I remember hanging up on them because I thought it was a prank. And they called back and it wasn't. And um, I finished off my senior year, you know, with this sort of hubris that I, you know, I was the man. I was going to Cooper. Like, um I thought I was a real big shot, and um, that all faded my foundation year of college because it was a bunch of other kids who were extremely talented, um, and it created this really competitive environment, um, which was great. You know, uh, in the beginning, I was hesitant to sort of throw myself in the community because of that competitive nature that that existed there. Um, but they broke me. You know, they they really pushed. Um, to study all the disciplinaries, you know, so I was really looking into film. Um, this is also like, you know, the art that I was making at the time was like pen and pencil drawings, you know, like little scratchy. There was nothing that looked like what you would call fine art today. Um, and so I was just baffled, you know. I, I started to really doubt my abilities, and, and, and then there was a moment that hit me um, me and my roommate were sitting there and we're like, you know, we're like, we are New York City and, which is like the creative capital of the world, and, and we go to the best school in New York City for art. Like, that must mean something, you know? So, off of that, we sort of like built this this these personas, you know, that we were these artists and that we were really special. and um, It created a, having someone like that to work off of created this healthy motivation, you know, that I always wanted to impress this other person and then um, that work that I was making bled into into class, and and I and I naturally started to see myself excel. You know, um, one of the things that I really enjoyed at Cooper was the the critique. You know, um, sitting in a room in front of your peers and discussing your artwork, and this became like a really it became like a hostile environment. You know, which was good. Like you, it you would throw something out there and tear someone apart, but you knew that like eventually it would become your turn to share. So you had to like back it up and that created like um, more motivation. Um, And, and some of that has bled into these rooms, you know, when we do the, the topic discussion, you know, I really think that having this sort of open dialogue between peers, I know that we don't have the time to like put our artwork in the room and, you know, that's why we have Crit Club. And I push, you know, to join that because um, it really was having that, that platform to get feedback and to hear someone say that like my idea was bad, you know, to be able to move and grow. Um, so yeah, uh, the multidisciplinary thing was really important as far as just like not getting pigeonholed into one thing and you know learning all those different skills really allowed me the ability to apply the things I learned about film and design, even architecture into into the stuff that I was doing. Um, and it really allowed me this interesting time that I feel we get robbed of now. Um, which is just experimentation. You know, I think that with like social media and stuff, like everything that you're posting is supposed to be like polished and ready. And I think yeah. that that really, yeah, well, not for everyone, but I think that that can like hurt, you know, people when they are thinking that way. It really doesn't give them time to to throw ideas out there and, and learn from their mistakes. Um, one other thing that I've noticed is like, you know, I never had a... Uh, any opportunity that came from like a studio visit, right? I know that that's like a big thing today and um, it was an interesting climate that New York, while I was going to school you know, there was this very vibrant New York art scene um, in which I became a part of, you know, I, I had this community at school that I was neglecting and there was the bright and shiny New York art scene which I was avidly trying to find a way in and, and make it and, and make it into Um and one of the ways I did that wasn't by, like, going to art shows and, like, trying to get people to come to my studio. It was more about, like, collaborating with people that were doing things already. And so, you know, one of the things that, like, really opened up the door for me was, like, doing posters and, like, party invitations for, like, nightclubs and, like, my friends' parties, you know, and, like, bands. And um, it, it wasn't it – wasn't I wasn't, like, throwing or pitching myself. I was more just interacting with other people. And through collaboration, we sort of, like, built this momentum. Um, and, you know, while that was happening, there was this amazing opportunity at school that I wasn't really paying attention to. Um, but through those connections, through those relationships, you know, people started to not see me as Lucian, but started to see me as Lucian, the artist. And so, you know, people would ask me to contribute work to shows. Um, and I began, you know, using this time that I had at school to make works that I would then get critiqued on and then put them into exhibitions, you know, so I had this sort of like sparring ground to play with ideas and then put the best things forward um and i don't know i think that you know a mix of being at the right place at the right time and um you know having that that feedback from cooper i was able to make works that i I think landed you know and um i began to gain a little recognition and i think that a lot of it had to do with you know what the art market was doing and it, it it was a little, it wasn't as popular to have, like, 20-somethings, you know, on a gallery roster. That was, like, still a relatively new idea. Um, So there were bizarre things that happened, you know. Um, White Cube, uh, some of you might know this gallery in London. It's a blue-chip gallery. Like, they visited my college studio, you know, which today I'm just like, what? Like, the work that I was showing them is, like, um, but that, and I was excited about that opportunity. But, you know, that looking back on it 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 was a very it was a very awkward experience um but you know my last years my last year at cooper came and i was a little bit disappointed because i had spent all this time trying to become a career artist and trying to just do all the things you would do to um become that. And I realized that there was this amazing opportunity that was just fleeting, you know? And so my last year of school, I really immersed myself in the community that Cooper offered almost like clinging to it because, uh, the relationship and the friendship and the feedback that I was getting there was so wholesome compared to what I was getting, um, outside. And I remember one of my professors said to me, she said, um, you know, you should really take this opportunity because no one's going to give a shit about your work once you leave school. Um, and I, I remember thinking, you know, like, why is that? Like, why, why isn't there something like Cooper outside of of, of this university, or, or why isn't there something like art school once, once you graduate? And that obviously stuck with me. Um, you know, shortly after I graduated school. I was offered a solo exhibition with a gallery that I knew one of the directors, you know, well, this guy who became a director of the gallery was the guy that I was making party invites for, you know, so I just want to see, show how like that sort of collaboration leads places, right? Um, and so I had my first solo show, they they gave me some money to, to make the art and I, I moved upstate. Uh, where i could make these works because i wanted to make them outside i had no idea what they looked like i just knew i wanted to make them outside um and um i made quite a few of them and i'll come back to why that amount matters but at the time you know i was really just focused on perfecting this one type of painting i really wanted to make um and i really believe out of like 180 of them there's only really two of them that really What I wanted. The rest were all failures, but they looked to everyone else like presentable artworks um, and to a gallery, you know, sellable artworks. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, I don't know. It was a catalyst of a few things, but um, my career took off, you know, faster than I had expected it to. I may have verbally said this is all going to happen, but I never really imagined that those things would happen. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, it was a bit like seeing behind the the Veil, you know, the Wizard of Oz moment where you see all the strings and all the lights. And so um, this career or this pursuit of being an artist, which I didn't really know or or have a definition for, was being given a definition by the world that uh, that I was seeing, you know, through the auction houses and through the galleries and through, um, you know, the gatekeeping that, that we all discuss. Um, and it slowly started to deteriorate from the the quality and the the momentum that i was building you know i felt like i had tried to escape every formal form of an occupation by being an artist and yet here i was like pretty much running a studio and working for the gallery and the people that bought my work Um, and that took a lot of fun out of the the experimentation part of it, right? I wasn't making work to try to push some envelope or what I thought art could be today. I was making work so that I could sell it to the people that were in demand of it. Um, and demand is really important because with the way the art market works, you know, there, there's, it's a market, there's a supply and demand. And you know, those early paintings that I made, I made a lot of them. Um, and so with this sort of momentum, my career was building, I, also had this very speculative market, which would bring me all this press about money and finances that really distracted me again from from the the pure thing of just making art. Um, you know, so after that, a few things had happened to me personally in my life in relation to, to art that I really just had to take a moment and like look back at what I was doing because I wasn't happy. Um, and I started to think, you know, like, well, what are the things I do like? You know, I, I, like, I like the community that art brings. I like talking about art. I like making it. Um, I don't necessarily like showing it, you know. And so I started to try to understand or view a life or a career um, in which I could be doing all the things I wanted to do and very little of the things that I didn't um and ultimately that came to not being what you would consider like a showing or exhibiting artist you know and I so it wasn't a sacrifice as much as a pivot that I had wanted to make because I wanted to be living a fulfilling life um you know and along that time I butted up against a a lot of things there was a lot of friction between people telling me you know that I was a painter and that I should stick to this and that the things that I was doing were just distractions from my career. And so, um, a big part of me felt like a failure, you know, I felt like I had thrown my career away or I hadn't done good enough as an artist to maintain the notoriety that I had developed or that I was just a flash in the pan, you know, like all of these things were things that I was telling myself and things that were really affecting, you know, my mental health and, Mm -hmm. and how I looked at, at what I did. Um, And I think it's important to stop there and just think about, you know, oftentimes if you're running in a direction and nine out of ten of the people are telling you to turn back, they're right. You know, um, I really believe that like being an artist is knowing the one time that they're wrong. Right. Because it's really important to trust your gut, but also to be able to balance feedback from others and i say this in regards to the things that you create as well you know like we all make things and sometimes people are going to tell you they're bad that doesn't mean they're necessarily bad you know everything nothing exists until you make it you know and so oftentimes with an art audience you'll notice that you'll be making something and if you stick with it sometimes if it's good and and it's really innovative and you've poured heart into it you convert them you know they they be the haters become um champions to you um but sometimes they don't, you know, and so I think that a big part of that is, you know, being able to have a place, or a community, or people that you can share ideas with openly, and get that feedback without necessarily taking it as an insult, you know, and 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 live with it. Um, I think another big thing um, is not being easily satisfied with yourself you know this is something that um i had struggled with and still struggle with a lot you know because of that sort of praise that i got early on i really thought that i was i was a big shot that i was great you know so that everything i made like if i made it it was good um and when you start to to be the source of validation for yourself sometimes you get lazy you know and 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 you don't invite the criticism in you know and so Um, There were times in my life where I was making things and I knew they were half-assed, you know, or I knew that that they weren't as great as they could. But I I knew because of the reputation I built that I could just pass them off, you know, and I did this for quite a while. Um, And I think that um, maybe it was something I just needed to get out of my system. You know, also, you know, when we look at the platform and like showing and talking about work, it's like I have the freedom to do that. You know, I have the freedom to throw lazy half ass ideas out there and live with them. Um, and I think that, um, you know, a lot of the work that we see from artists and from art history today are works that have entered into the museum system, have been cataloged. But I really believe, and, and I know that there's a big percentage of work that we don't see that, you know, has been sold. Or you often see like a Jackson Pollock that like doesn't look like any Jackson Pollock that someone found in their attic. You know, and I think that it's really healthy to just get things out. You know, my my best advice for artists is just to like um, keep the pen on the paper. You know, the writing exercise where you just start writing, don't mm-hmm. stop. You know, until you, something clicks. That
1: something that it's like, uh,
0: we're, we're gonna, gonna, do, a Q- we're we're gonna do a Q. We're gonna do a Q and
2: not Make
0: a
3: work of
0: art and just find an object and mm-hmm. go. God, I know what you are. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Um, In the process of becoming. Yeah. No, I agree. You know, like the the you train your mind as a creative to start looking and seeing the world as art. You know, I talked about this once in a meeting, uh, that can be like a gift and a curse. And, and one of the reasons why I was mentioning like, Oh, collaborate on party flyers. And like, maybe it's not just about like going to openings and like begging for studio visits is that as artists, we can be really selfish, you know, and we all live in this thing that like the thing that we make is <coughs> the center of the universe. And it's, it's important to step out of that. Right. That can be very detrimental to your friendships and the people around you. Um, but there was a point that like yeah I had everything from this hat or whatever I was like oh how can I make that into a sculpture or something you know I've stopped seeing and being inspired by the world because I was so readily available to looking for it that the things that would come by by chance often didn't Um, and then yeah so uh, you know self editing is important I think like being able to really just make something and and disregard it, you know. Um, but get it, get it out. Um, feedback, community. Uh, yeah, we're I guess the last thing I'll say is that, um, touching upon that balance, right? That I talked about um, the balance between everyone telling you something and you believing something else, like that. Really is what I think being a creative or, or visionary is, right? Is like we bring things that don't exist into the world. Uh, I remember uh, when I was in high school, I watched Werner Herzog give a and A on a not his best movie, Rescued, on um, at the Arrow Theater, and I was really blown away, but that this guy had made this film and from his imagination and brought it into reality, and then when answering the QA, was able to answer these questions as if they, it was physics, you know? He had created his own reality. Um, and I think that we do that as artists, you know, we bring things that don't exist um, into the world. And so oftentimes we can't just listen or depend on the people around us, right? But finding that sweet spot of, of being able to listen and being attuned to your audience, but also knowing maybe what they don't know, you know? and so. It, becomes a little bit of confidence and i think like that is like one of the most important things um as visual artists or as visionaries you know confidence having the belief um that you can do something or that you're on the right path because oftentimes you know the last thing you want is to spend four years on some path and then realize that you got to turn around but you know that's life and yeah oftentimes or sometimes you will make mistakes and um you will not pursue ideas that maybe were worth pursuing um so, yeah, I hope that was sort of helpful for you guys. Um, you know, the key takeaway being that, like, you know, even if you do have to turn around, you know, turn your failures, turn your, your missteps into opportunities, you know, find the lessons that you learn um, on that path, you know, and apply it to the next thing. You know, no one likes to turn around and, and go back, but, you know, sometimes you have to, um, hopefully not as much. Thank you. Yeah.
2: And what I've been taught by my mentors, and et cetera, is it's just about meeting people here, really, the, game. And the business cards. Yeah, that's my weird thing about business
0: cards. I mean, we spoke First. in meetings previously about networking, you know, and the cringe, like when you say networking. But mm-hmm. like, that's why I said, okay. like, let it happen naturally, or organically. You know, like. You smell it. I can smell it. People smell when you're when you're selling them, when you're pitching them. You know, so just be honest about those things. You know, like be honest about collaborating, and and it's that's when you build these really healthy relationships, and that that can evolve into other
3: things.
4: I was wondering if you touch more on your decision once you kind of had that little moment to decompress through the art, the success, and everything like that. How you got to the place of starting STP. And how you kind of like generated that motivation to kind of like do the things that you'd like to do and very little of the things that you didn't like to do, like what was that process like when you have everybody else saying, Keep doing the art, keep doing the art, keep doing the art, and you just kind of saying, I think I'm gonna do this other thing instead, like how did that kind of come to be for you?
0: I mean, it's interesting, you know. It's not as cut and dry as I make it sound or want it to sound. You know, there were times when I was developing this foundation where I was still doing shows. You know, I really wish I had it, but you know, I, I couldn't get it out. Of, I I had to, I had to get it out. Couldn't keep it in. Um, yeah. But yeah, misunderstanding though, because what I thought
2: was you stopped doing the thing that they were telling you to
0: do. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, I stopped pursuing art in the way that you pursue art as an exhibiting artist. You know, I I fired. I didn't fire. We just separated from the galleries, um, as well as the, the assistance that I had. Um, but yeah, no, in that moment, it was just like, I really couldn't, I had developed such a disdain for the art world and all of its, its little pieces. And, and, and I, I just was like, what do I do? You know? So yeah, I kept painting. Um, but I really, I looked back at Cooper, you know, I was like, that was the happiest time I wasn't as an artist. How can I recreate that? And if I'm feeling that there are other people feeling that. And if I liked that experience at Cooper, there are other people who maybe didn't go to art school that would want that same experience. And, you know, it took me a long time to understand, you know, our first meeting here wasn't until like 11 months ago. You know, I, the idea for recipe came in 2015, you know, so like, That's just like also to show you like how long things take sometimes, you know, like the young me is beating myself up. It's like you took six years to get a meeting started, you know, like Mm -hmm. there are those things where you just got to like you got things happen when they're supposed to happen. And like it took me all of those six years to really understand, you know, and cut away the fat from what it was trying to do to offer something just really simple.
1: So kudos, it's really, it's really, it's it's got to be hard to share and you know, cause you to me you're so like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, but it's just you know, but and six is supposedly the number of new beginnings. That's why everyone hates the number six. So mm-hmm. embrace that six number. <laughs> Look it up. But um, just curious, cause the last time I saw your work um in public was your seeds your prints and that was like way after you've been through all this stuff so how did that come about because that's a really those those were great works i'm just like
0: yeah you know i had originally done those as little watercolors um and i still have most of them in a binder and um My original idea was just to give them out to people for like a hundred bucks. You know, I I wanted to just make art that was accessible to people. So when the NFT or the Web3 came around, I was like, whoa, this is actually the thing I've been waiting for. Um, And I was just trying to figure out, all right, well, like, how do I plug that into the thing that I'm building the most momentum for, which is STP? So, you know, a lot of those funds went to like setting up this meeting, went to like building the platform that I was telling you guys about. and that's really the sweet spot for me, you know, like the first iterations I was selling paintings and using that money to sort of fund this project. Uh, and and the, the same thing with the seeds, you know, but I, what I love is when it's really harmonious, right? When the artwork and the community and all the different pieces sort of fit together really nicely. So it's still in
1: progress. For you. Yeah, it's a is, work
0: in progress.
1: Is that is that um, show? aware of what you're doing
0: now and are they like kind of yeah you know i think it's still a, it's a loose end you know it's something that i want to really tie back into to this what we're doing here uh, i think a little bit is dependent on the climate of that technology but um it's still very much a part of it and that's the great thing about like the blockchain is that it doesn't go away and like all of that stuff is still accessible
3: Lucian, thanks for sharing uh, i always enjoy listening to you speak um I want, What's the time frame? When did you graduate? 2011. 2011. And it was
0: 2015 was the first STP. Event. 2015 is like when I think I formed an LLC for STP that began applying for a nonprofit status. And, you know, back then I was like, oh, it's going to be a creative agency. It's going to be a website anyone can host their work on.
3: Do you, do you feel a calling as an educator? Because I, I really see you fulfilling the role as teacher. I mean, in these meetings for one, one thing, but have you ever felt a calling to teach?
0: Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I feel like like interim founder. You know, like I think that for me, I like building things. I like trying to put together pieces and seeing how things will work. Um, and so, you know, that has been a really amazing experience, building this foundation and understanding all the little pieces and puzzles, applying for grants. Um, I think that, you know, ultimately, I would like to provide a platform where other people find voices, where other people can start to to give back and have a an healthy exchange of dialogue within the community. Um, because that's where I really see it efficient, right? Like. <coughs> Uh, anyone can teach art history with art history textbook. I'd, I'd rather create a system that, like, we can teach it to ourselves and that also we can create new history, right, and that, like, voices and careers and um, work can be shared that maybe isn't going to make it. I don't even know if they print art history textbooks
3: like that anymore. Would you consider it an alternative mm-hmm. education? Um
0: yeah, I mean, you know, some of the things I'm inspired by are like the Black Mountain College, you know. So thinking about artists or sort of taking the wheel, um, yeah. In a way, it's it's education. You know, I think you know it comes really down to community that that, that token work. Yeah. I'd call community
2: leader.
0: Yeah, well, you know, I think that like healthy communities like. There are, there are efforts like Pioneer Works, you know, which I know about. I think that I, I, I don't really like the leader thing because it, it it was never about me. You know, like, yeah, facilitator. Um, but, you know, there are other organizations that we sort of take inspiration from that can be sort of autonomous and self-serving. Yeah, thanks. Uh, that
2: was really nice. Um, <clears throat> could you speak about Um, how you got through some of the really tough moments of doubt Um, and not the unhealthy kinds we all know how to get through them in an unhealthy way Um, Like how you got to where you are now Um, because the rejection is horrible especially you know yeah built up and then chopped down and I know that's a part of the story so Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, being, a, being an artist is like a really tough thing, you know, and, and it's very complex because you like want attention and you want validation but then you don't want it. And then, you know, you can develop like paranoias. Um, so, you know, for a, a long period of time, um, it was really difficult. You know, it was really difficult for me to concentrate on what I was doing and not be distracted by the sort of outside voices and doubt. Um, I would say, you know, the thing that helped me through that period is having something that I really believed in, having something that I was able to see the value that it was providing, you know, because that was the fuel, you know, not the validation. But okay, it's working. People like it. People are using it like I wasn't wrong, you know. Um, had it not been working, I probably would have given up and turned around, right? But, like, that is a sign. Like, if you're doing something that's not working for long enough, you, you might have to go back and figure some things out. But, um, yeah, you know, this organization and, and, you know, the people involved and the people who have helped me get here have been, like, really big parts of me sort of persevering, you know. Um, and, and that was a, in bold in my notes there, perseverance, um, because, you know, it can get tough. And you have to sort of find those outside sources for... Um, to continue doing that and not just depend on the audience and depend on the intended person. Um, and so, yeah, it, again, it comes back to community, it comes back to like building that group around you, you know, that is interested in the things that you're doing and, and can help you get there.
1: So
0: are you reaching out to gatekeepers? <laughs> Am I reaching out to gatekeepers? I mean, the gatekeeping thing is like, I have such a, a trouble really understanding it right like yeah there are people at galleries that vet artists right that's their goal I mean that's their job is to like this is good this is bad like we this works with our program this doesn't like there are people like that in any creative industry because like there needs to be a limitation but like the thing that I think is a counterpoint to the gatekeeping notion is that we have the internet You know, like, there's never going to be another Van Gogh because Van Gogh didn't have Twitter or Instagram. Like, if you're making good work, it's going to get seen. Someone is going to want... No, it's true, you know, and this is the thing, like, with artists today is that, like, and I think it's really important is that we all want this approval, right? We all think what we're doing is amazing, but, like, is it really? You know, one of the things that I love to do is to look at the thing that I'm doing from someone else's perspective because then I tear it apart. I'm like, this sucks. You know, like you really got to, we got to, you got to do that because no one is going to do that for you, you know, and so.
2: I don't know because I've never made a piece of art out of myself and the things that are the most self serving have been the most successful.
0: Yeah, no, don't, don't depend on others' opinions, right? But it's, what I'm saying is that you have, we all have the tools in our pocket To put something out there. And if you're making something good and you're not locking it up in a closet, the chances are someone is going to see it. Someone is going to find value in it. Um, So I don't really believe that there can be like you have these you have these like really extreme cases. Right. Like you can argue like Henry Dodger. Henry Dodger was like a custodian. Who was mm-hmm. super closeted and lived like mm-hmm. and kept all his work private and no one found it until he died and they had to like, go into his house. Mm-hmm. So unless you're bogarting your work like that, mm-hmm. like you're not getting overlooked. Your chances are your work just isn't great yet, and you should continue to work on it and get it out there and mm-hmm. continue to do it. I'd
2: say you're warning to the using Instagram and stuff like that? I've had things ripped off of Instagram when I posted
0: them. Yeah, I like mean, I'm I'm more I'm more just focusing on the gatekeeper thing, right? Like there are growing number of galleries and a growing number of art collectors out there, right, that are always looking for something new and innovative. So the fact that there's, like, this board of people that are conspiring against you to not get, like, recognition, it's just unlikely. You know, there are just too many touch points for you to be showing your work and putting it out there. So I would say that if you're not getting the reception that you want or you feel like people are gatekeeping you, make it impossible for them to ignore you.
1: I think, like, partially what my question is about, I feel like, in this room, we want to be the ones in charge. So with that said, I guess, you know, it's hopeful that what you're doing is just something that is refreshing to those people. And they're just like, thank God. You're creating a community of people working really hard and, and you know, we're interested. Like that sort of thing, because... Um, you know, I feel like you're con- like, I and mean, from your seeds to your first meeting on Thompson and, and now here, I still keep that aesthetic of breaking the concrete and, yeah. you know, digging a little seed. And it's so exciting because Alec was here. Like, we're like, yeah, let's break the ground. It was a meeting like a million years ago. And like having food, you know, now coming yeah. into place. It's just, it seems like a timeline that is making a lot of great sense and it's exciting. So I just like, I guess, bringing up gatekeeping because I never heard that term until I yeah. was in this room. I wish I never heard it. had no that. idea what it was until then. <laughs> but no, it's interesting, you know, but it's just like bringing it up, though, shows us that we're actually the ones who can shift the keeping. Yeah, you know, like the beekeeper's.
0: So yeah, great. you know, that reminds me the way you say like we want to be in charge, right? Like I don't know, maybe there are a few people here, but like running a gallery is like it's not fun. It doesn't look fun. Run it's a, a, a Yeah, it's a business. You know, <laughs> the art market is a business, right? It's not like just because you make good art doesn't mean it's going to sell, you know? Like there's a lot of politics. There's a lot of things that that you know, and if you want to get into that world, so be it, you know, like again, like I think Look. Take a look at like the motivations. Like, why are you making work? Are you making work because you just want to be famous? Are you making work because you just want to get in a gallery system? Because you want to get rich? Like, then you're going to enter into a pool of a lot of people going that way, right? And so, one of my really favorite things that I've I've discovered recently um, is are these kids that there's this they created this film or like this internet phenomenon phenomenon based on like minimal space called the back rooms, right? Mm-hmm. It it was like a they made it with like open just just some like 3D software and a camcorder mm-hmm. um and it and, and it became a huge hit like youtube crazy a24 is buying the rights to make a film of it right mm-hmm. um but it's already big before they even get like this cool film you know and the way they did it is that they just made art and they they made it with what they mm-hmm. had and they sort of bypassed this whole festival thing you know and and that's what i'm saying is like you can spend all your time trying to enter into the gallery system the traditional way or you could just make really great art and find a way that it lives and exists and finds an audience outside of that and all those people from the gallery will be begging you to put it in and so like that's really like you know that's the way i would go like but yeah um the oh sorry and also like just when I say gallery, like, that applies to, like, record labels yeah. and, you know, everything across the board.
2: Right, so in that vein, you know, you've, I don't know, if you've reinvented you've done so many different things, right? From the sort of the gallery route of fine art and then even recently working for brands, right? And um, what is that transition go like going from in your mind being this fine artist who sells in galleries and pieces go to auction you know at these crazy prices and, you know becoming coming sort of you know angry at the system and then going for basically a conventional job right just sort of a regular job and be a, a creative a creative director or, or whatever the title is um because a lot of artists have to do that, right? They're yeah. in school thinking they're going to have those painting careers or final
0: careers. Yeah. And we do have to show. Yeah. Um, so right before I answer that question, I just want to remember remembering something that Noah was saying. Um, one of those moments for me was I looked at artists that I wanted to be like. I, I looked at artists that had careers that I was headed towards, and I saw where their life had ended. You know, they had, le- they had spent this whole life just with their work being the most important thing and that was enough for me i was like okay i, I get where that's going i want to go where i don't know what it's going to end up like being because i only have one life and i want to make sure that i've lived it to the most fulfilling um so that was that was a big thing for me i looked at like jeff coons and Dave Mears, I was like i want to be that guy you know i really don't mm-hmm. um and that was huge that was enough for me to like push off of it um, but yeah, for Mike, you know, so some of you don't know, I took a like creative director position at a tech company um, because, you know, I like everyone else needed to eat. Um, and I couldn't spend the time making art because that was distracting me from this and the things that I wanted to do. So I found a job that was parallel to what it was that I was doing and that I could learn something from. Um, and it was amazing. You know, it was amazing finally to have a check arrive every week or every two weeks and like know that my rent was getting paid and like health benefits like I was going to the dentist and like it was amazing you know like so like don't don't take that for granted you know like you don't have to suffer like getting a job doesn't isn't the end all you know like you find a job that like is parallel to what it is that you want to be doing I would recommend as a visual artist maybe you don't work at a gallery it's a bit like a pig going to the slaughterhouse but it's, it, it's,
1: good. it's good if you're like Literally straight out of high school interning in your before you're like, yeah, I or something. mean, if, because you need to know the beasts. Mm. That you're going against. Like, I interned in so many galleries. I ended up getting a job. I actually made some of my favorite little watercolor paintings off the cardboard slides that I came in. Yeah. I, I mean, have you been, like, unfortunately, fell asleep one time? You know, it can happen. <laughs> but it, it is, I recommend.
0: Yeah, I mean, I look. I
1: recommend doing it, especially if you're going to be a writer or a critic, because.
0: You can always quit. You can
1: quit. make it up <laughs> as you're there. Like, you have a lot. Like everyone thinks you're the lowest <laughs> of the low. Yeah. And so, in New York City, if you're the lowest of the low, you actually have the best advantage when you're in situations like that.
0: Yeah. No, I hear you. I mean,
2: I don't think, I don't know, my intention has always been to start a movement, social movement, kind of, positive one, more
0: so. It's a good goal. Yeah.
2: It's the gallery world, right?
0: yeah yeah it's just like you know it's i wouldn't recommend it you know but you guys know what it is you know so if you want to be an art handler or you want to work at a gallery like go for it and if you don't like it like try to take something from it um that's like another thing is that you know we all have these things that are getting really philosophical here but I'll, i'll give you a good example i had a friend in college that was a architect um, and he caught wind of this whole young artist movement he was like oh fuck architecture I'm, I'm the artist you know and I was like what dude really um, but I, I always told him like he, the skills that you learned in architecture school those are your those are your strengths you know like you know CAD you know spaces and then he became like a really amazing sort of like the borderline artist architect firm um, but it took him a while to understand that you know so like the the things that make you unique as a creative, like those are the things that are your advantage. So like play, even if that's your job, you know. Like I think Richard Prince was like a copywriter or something at like Harper's Bazaar. That's like how he got access to all those Marlboro cowboy photos. So like, use that as an in. Use that to like create stuff. No one's looking. Yeah. Um. Anyone else questions? Yeah.
4: Uh, actually, I actually do work at a gallery. It's soul crushing. Um, yeah, I've had so many events, but um, somehow make it work, but do you think there is a potential for like a healthy gallery relationship? I think I kind of know the answer. But
0: With artist, artist gallery?
4: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, you know, I I love to shit on the galleries all day. I'll yeah. Shit, shit, shit. Lot, but, you know, at the end of the day, like, they do a really good service, you know, like even from the work that we've done with like Gordon Mata-Clark, you know, before he started showing or his estate was represented by Blue Chip Gallery, like no one really knew who that was, you know. So like they do build context, they do champion artists, you know, I think that like my relationships with the galleries were so volatile because i was so young and no one knew how to deal with me or like what there was no roadmap you know like galleries are pretty vetted now they know how to like takes an artist and really build them up right um and so it is about like finding that right fit you know there are galleries and there are dealers you know you can find a gallerist that like you can mend with just like you can find a an a and (coughs) r or record exec that like gets what it is that you're making right surround yourself with people that like you truly feel, understand the thing that you're making and support you. And oftentimes if you have a bad feeling, it's it's probably a sign.
4: I'm curious because earlier you talked about, excuse me, earlier you talked about the flash in the pan of it all. And like, I think a lot of today is about people and artists wanting instant gratification and not getting it, therefore thinking that what they're doing either isn't good, isn't good yet, X, Y, Z. As someone who had kind of that flash in the pan, early success, not that it was a flash in the pan, but just early success, Today. how do you think that... kind of was clear
0: <laughs> 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 But how do you think that
4: you, at that time, like, do you think when it first started to happen, you foresaw a longevity in your, in your work and in your career? Or do you think you kind of were feeling it already fleeting like how did you kind of deal with that success
0: yeah i mean there was a moment where where it seemed sustainable and then it didn't you know like my debut year like i had three solo shows one year you know and it was a lot and like I, because i just well, i was just like i need this how i need this i need it a lot go on my website it's archived you can see <laughs> all the um oh, come on you're making me go on the internet tell me how
1: many. You
0: a lot there's a lot of work it's yeah i think like in total by 2015 i probably made like over 1200 artworks and sold you know and um it again it just became a job i just like to keep this going i gotta go to this thing and i gotta do this and i gotta i mean it sounds like a really privilege but honestly like i was an artist i don't want to do anything i don't want to do you know and and i've been able to like build a life that like it semi works it's tough but like i'm happy you know but um and, you're alive. and i'm alive yeah and, um, yeah fade away uh,
3: maybe yeah. some of the galleries put
0: it- yeah <laughs> but only for a really short period of time that it seemed sustainable and once i realized that like the art market didn't work the way it used to where i could like christopher wool like pretty much make the same painting he's going to, I hope he never listens to that my entire career, like that wasn't the case for me, you know, so I was like having to think of new ideas here and, and I just like, I didn't want to have to keep that, it wasn't a flywheel it was just definitely pushing it um, but yeah Any other questions? Can you talk about studio? Yeah, one sec.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I have another
4: question before the one that I just
0: thought
4: of Start
3: with that one. Um, I was just kinda wondering, do you ever get tired of having to like catch people up where you are? I guess so yeah. It's
0: so exhausting, man. It's so exhausting. But um I fucking believe in it. You know, like look yeah. at this room, like I I I love that. I can't wait to see one of you up here. You know, like that for me is enough to keep going. But yeah, like the field or what it is that I pivoted to, you know, like to to answer kai's question like a lot of these efforts fell into place between creating a a social app you know i wanted to create a place that had the ingenuity of instagram but maybe felt like i didn't regret spending half an hour on it you know and i wanted to create a place where like maybe people can find voices without the gatekeepers or without the sort of naysayers um but yeah it's exhausting you know like i spend every day like watching engagement metrics and trying to get people to join and dealing with people telling me that I'm an idiot for trying to do this. But, um, again, it's like seeing Kai or seeing people post it, seeing people use it, you know, like I believe it will work. I also believe it will work because like I'm an artist and, and I use it and I, and I enjoy using it. And that's like the only thing I think that has allowed me to even build a tool like worth logging in and
3: signing up for. What's the, uh the status of the SDP restaurant?
0: Um, it's going well. I mean, we raised all the money. Now it, it's just really about like solidifying the space. You know, a space that we really liked um, is in contract right now. So we're it's not not with us. So we're trying to figure out a way to get it from them. Um, we have another plan B, um, which is looking more like a plan A. But um, yeah, I'm I'm really excited for it. I think you know. I've always wanted to have like a brick and mortar for this foundation and the gallery. Never really th- sounded like the thing I wanted it to do. So like a cafe or restaurant, um, yeah, is something that um, I think could really work.
4: Where is it going to be?
0: Well, hopefully in New York City. So, <laughs> <laughs> so how, like what are
3: you
1: doing for food and how is
0: this is for the food project? Yeah. Um. The idea behind it is, I mean, for those of you who were last week um, who saw the presentation, Gordon Mata Clark um, and Carol Gooden, or Tina Gooden and Carol, don't know her last name, to edit that in, um, started a restaurant in the early '70s that was just artist run, and it was a, I think they only really ran it for three years, and then they changed ownership. But you know, for some of you who saw the film, for those of you who didn't see the film. Um, it just created this like amazing environment. You know, I think that like food is such a great way to just like bring people together. And I think that like people take it very seriously. And I think, you know, there's, there are ways to keep a cafe or restaurant open and it doesn't need to be like a three-star Michelin, you know? Um, and that's really what I'm just looking for is to create something that's like an experiment, um, but also a, a business that can be run. And, uh, I think that that endeavor can help power this one, um, it can help also provide us with a platform to do things other than just talk about our feelings. Um, <laughs> okay. uh, and yeah, so it's exciting. And, and, you know, I hope also that can be a place where some of us can go to work, you know, when we, we need money or need a job and, and sort of continue that community aspect. Did you just as an aside side note, oh,
1: okay. I, I don't know if you've read about or heard about bell cafe, which used to be near Don Hills back in the day. That they would have like an Indian chef on Tuesday, an African chef on Monday, like that sort of thing. I worked there. I got two dollars and tips on. Them. Amazing. I was a of people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean,
0: yeah, it's exciting to think about like the different types of things that we can offer in that space. It's
1: exciting.
0: We got seven more minutes. Anyone want to fill a gap?
2: Mozzarella sticks.
0: Mozzarella sticks. <laughs> we got those. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Can
3: you talk
4: about
3: the 180 or so paintings you made and what the two did for you that made
0: them Yeah. Good? Yeah. Um, I won't say the titles of them, but um, there were these things called rain paintings that I had gotten success for, and it basically was uh, spraying a f- paint through a fire extinguisher to replicate the raindrops. Um, and um, on some of my first trials, I really got it and then the next ones i did i i didn't and i never recorded the like amount of feet i was from the canvas or how high or how much pressure i put in the fire extinguisher or how much water so it just became months of like trial and error and and there are points where i where i i got close to it um but it was really that it was just really trying to replicate the first one or the second one or the third one or the fourth one that i did um and then you know there were like but it reached a point where i was happy with them you know um but none of those paintings ever sold while i was making them you know so i just kept going i had this house i had a lease and i was like might as well just keep spraying these things um and yeah it was honestly the most fun that i ever had as an artist um because there were so many uncertainties, you know, like it was the build-up to this show, and and I, there were no, there was not. I don't think there was. So, there might have been social media, but I wasn't on it yet. So like, I had a way of showing people my show was the way that I was finally going to show people what I've been working on since college, um, and you know there were there was a lot of people that helped me up there. Like it was no one. You can't make those paintings by yourself. So um, that was a great experience, you know. Just like having people who had no interest or, or, or training in art, like just doing this stuff with me. And, and, and again, you know, like those were the things that I remembered, like that's really what I liked doing. And one of the things that, you know, always bothered me was that I had so much help and on working on this stuff yet. Like I was the one that like was at the opening, which, you know, my, with my social anxiety, which has gotten a lot better. Um, I didn't really even like you know so like the idea of working on something with people i really enjoyed i really enjoy the like sort of authorship part of it um which led a lot to like you know um the imposter syndrome that we all know uh but yeah
2: who paid for all the supplies
0: Uh, that was the deal I worked out with the gallery you know so like you know I can't diss the gallery too much because they gave me a shot you know they gave me like I think it was like $24,000 for a year they were like pay your rent and buy all the supplies you need Um, and that was huge I would not have been or had the career that I had if it wasn't for that opportunity and for someone to take that on um, at such a relatively young age was like a huge risk 22 years old 21 years old yeah all the babies Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still, baby, though. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah any other questions? Yeah,
4: just piggybacking off of that, how common is it for that sort of structure with the gallery to just give you a sum of money and then make essentially whatever you want? Yeah? Like how it's, not,
3: it's,
0: it's not that common. Yeah. Um, it happens, though it happens um and you know as you gain notoriety as an artist you can also start to like negotiate your percentages you know there are a lot of artists that show like 70 30 split and stuff like that Uh, but you know a gallery is great and especially some of these like ones that have been around a long time they can really help with like finding a studio or fabricators or contractors or framers you know like they have their their support system in some way or another um I don't believe that, that that art needs that, you know, like you have these artists like Jordan Wolfson who come out of the gate, you know, like making these like super expensive, elaborate sculptures and, and they're great. It really shows the spectacle or like what art can be, you know, and it's something to aspire to. But I think that there are, are ideas and, and executions that, that hit relatively hard that don't have funding or don't have any of that support behind it. But then it really comes down to the integrity of the work. Did
2: you get that opportunity because they went to a school show?
0: No, I, again, it was, it was, you know, uh, a friend of mine who had, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and he joined or started this gallery and, and I was like, I need, I need this opportunity. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I was stealing, sorry to my roommates, but like quarters and shit out of my roommates pockets to like buy ramen noodles, you know what I mean? So I was like, wait, I'm not gonna, my tuition, my school's gonna be gone. My apartment's gonna be gone. I'll have no money. Like I need to make money, you know? And so, um, I remember it was with the gallers at the time and my buddy, and I, they were in a cab, and they were like, you have until the end of this cab to convince us, you know? And, and I just poured everything I, I could into that, and, and it worked out. Um, but, yeah, again, like, well, as I said earlier, like, the desperation, the necessity, you know, created the opportunity.
5: I think something, something you touched on earlier about, like, a, like, why you make off. I think, like, it's, like, different intensity or commitment to like like you're doing it art for art not for anything else not for like the success of like commercial success or whatever you're just doing it for the art itself like for example like uh like people first the first people who try to climb mountain everything. Mm-hmm. they're not doing it for like they they're just doing it for the thing itself I mean I don't know I think like that's one thing to consider if you're thinking about oh like why am i making art yeah I think that's that's actually the main point. Like, why are you making? It? Are you making it all just because you actually enjoy making it all yourself, or you're just doing it for like a certain type of like a commercial success? Like, is I think that like being clear on that is very important.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. You know, I think that in the beginning, my intention started out innocent like that. You know, but um, as I entered into that system, uh, I began to find myself losing that and getting more towards the commercial success of it, um, which is why I sort of backed out. Um, But I think that for me now, or even at that point, like the idea that I have in my head (coughs) is to, with this foundation, be able to say, okay, like I gave all I could to doing the thing that I felt was the right thing to do. And the thing that I really believed in, and I also, along that path, learned some skills to be able to set up a viable business that can provide a resource and tool for other people, but also finance for me, right? So that at that point, I can I can create art. I can do things without depending on them, it for money. You know, to me, that's the ultimate freedom, being able to make art and not have to show it or not have to depend on the sale of it. And so, yeah, you know, like... Uh, I still every day, like, drag little photos into a folder and think about, like, how would I paint this? How would I do this? Um, and I still have that itch, you know, and and, and that's not because I want to sell them or because I want to have some career. It's because, like, that, those wheels are still spinning, you know, and I put that energy into other things that I do. But painting is, is ultimately like, you know, like those climbers. It was something that I did recreation, something I did. For fun, it just also became a job at one point, which I realized wasn't for me.
5: Yeah, I think like the things that that maybe you cannot commercialize. If like a maybe you're exploring something, because usually it's because you're exploring something brand new. So like later on, the the art you made there for commercial purpose and the art that you made for like just for your own inspiration, sometimes they could be the same thing, but like. Also, often they're not so like later on when people look at it they could tell the difference so the value right the initial value is very different from the later on but like when you assess it just for the thing itself not how popular it was or how much money it made yeah so like in terms of like philosophy or whatever like yeah like those are the criteria like I'm just looking at the thing itself like the ideas like how, how yeah
0: it's, yeah, I mean, it, it reminds me again of that that backrooms thing, right? Like, I don't think their goal there was to, like, land a film deal. Their goal was, to, like, oh, we have a camera. Like, let's make something cool and, like, fun that we're going to enjoy, you know. And because right. of the, the, the pureness of maybe of the intention, it created an artwork or something that, like, people were really drawn towards. It didn't feel like it was trying to shove more commercial content um, down an audience's yeah. throat.
5: I'm not saying... Like, there's not something wrong with either one just like, yeah like, no just, again just like the
0: it's there's nothing wrong with like wanting to, I, yeah. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to pursue a, a career in, in in a commercial art way right it's like I guess knowing if that's for you or not is like a big a big step in the right direction yeah that's not, yeah. Uh, awesome
3: alright guys thank you
5: Two questions to you.